Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Tennessee Power Hour. Titans traveling to face the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. We will give you our game day preview later this hour as they try to get back on track after the terrible loss to the Jets. They cannot afford another terrible loss to Jacksonville. And what is a rudderless ship led by Urban Meyer? We will uh, dive into the matchups to watch later in the hour. Meanwhile, Tennessee, and there's a lot of momentum around the program currently with the Vols based on the way they played against Missouri. And it sets up for what could be a really exciting finish uh, with some positivity to build on um, with Josh Heupel and that new regime in place. And that's where we start with Austin Price of VolQuest.com. Time for the VolQuest Power Hour. No hubs this week, but we do have AP, uh, which is... Just fine by us uh, each and every Friday. Austin, hope you're doing well, man. I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? We are excellent. We cannot complain. Um, eight, day, eight days ago, there was not this hype around Tennessee. And quite frankly, we, we had a discussion earlier this week about how Tennessee fans have been relatively normal uh, instead of jumping onto the bandwagon and, and proclaiming that Tennessee's going to, to challenge anyone but Georgia in the East. We haven't gone that far either. Uh, but eight days ago, we were not discussing that Heupel's offense could give Georgia's defense their biggest challenge of the season. Starting to hear that now. Again, not saying that they're beating Georgia, not saying they're keeping the game close. We're talking biggest challenge remaining on the schedule. Uh, my oh my, what a performance against Missouri. Did you see it coming? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of people thought that Tennessee would be able to score against Missouri. Did anybody see him scoring 45 in the first half and 62 overall? And really, the, you know, the second half, Tennessee was just kind of coasting and trying to keep people, you know, healthy as possible. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody saw that. But I think everybody thought Tennessee would score in the upper 30s to, to low 40s. Uh, just didn't realize they would do that in a quarter and seven or eight minutes. So, uh, you know, really good performance. To me, they've got to back it up, though. Um, you know, and I think that's why Josh Heupel has been really uh, ever since Sunday when they got back. He's been, you know, preaching: "Do not let up. We cannot rest on this. We have to continue to push forward. We have to continue to uh, make strides." And I think that's the right approach because you're going to hear how great you were last week, all week long. You're going to hear about the offense, the defense, and, and, and all the plays you made. But South Carolina, while not great can kind of lull you into one of those, you know, rock fights and keep it a low-scoring game, then they got a shot. To me, if Tennessee gets to 20 points, they win the football game. I mean, South Carolina is just not very good on offense. And, um, you know, can Tennessee kind of keep that mojo going? That's the biggest question because they've not won two games in a row to this point this year. Well, and looking at Hendon Hooker specifically and his impact on this offense, uh, Austin, what has been the change with him? The biggest change you see from Joe Milton to Hendon Hooker and how he got this offense humming. And again, we know it's just one huge game uh, with him at quarterback, but 
what has been the key with Hendon Hooker, who now officially is the starter, as Josh Heupel announced it earlier this week? Well, I think it's just his ability to be a playmaker. You know, it's why Josh, why Josh Dobbs was who he was. You know, and you know, I'm not saying Hendon Hooker's Josh Dobbs, but the ability to elude, avoid, escape, uh, turn absolutely nothing into just a little bit of something. And, uh, you know, he's done a nice job of that. He's protected the ball the last two games, Tennessee with zero turnovers. The last two SEC games after turning it over a handful of times in their first three non-conference games to begin the season. So um, Hendon Hooker's really been playing well. He's thrown the ball with good touch. He's been able to kind of get a connection going with both Bayless Jones and Javante Payton. And uh, he's been aided by the fact that Tennessee's been able to run the football, even against Florida. Tennessee had some success running the football last week. We all know they ran the football at will against Missouri. So, you know, Hendon Hooker is is kind of just been the steadying force as the quarterback here. And, uh, you know, I said in fall camp, you can't, you can't simulate what he brings to the table when he's in a no-contact jersey. You know, it's the same thing Josh Dobbs went through. You know, his ability to make plays – in practice, in a competition for the starting quarterback job, when he can't be himself, he was, uh, you know, hamstrung a little bit, and now he's no longer hamstrung. As good as that game was, you figure everybody come out of it with uh, with gold stars, but uh, some of the offensive linemen apparently didn't get as good a grades as we might have expected. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line was solid, but I mean, they can be better. And again, they're not real deep; they are thin. And so, you know, they have to continue to, uh, you know, make strides. Tennessee would love to get Kingston Harris back sooner rather than later. Uh, he had that knee cleanup a couple of weeks ago. He won't be available this Saturday, but, you know, I think Tennessee's hoping maybe for Ole Miss, definitely by Alabama. Um, and, and, and then, you know, just have to continue to clean up, see how quickly you can get Cooper Mays back. I think it's more important right now for Cooper Mays. If he probably – because he's probably not going to make it back by Ole Miss. At that point, you, don't, you wait till you know, Kentucky – you wait till you know in the first week in November because Tennessee plays Bama. No point to play them in that one. Then they have the bye. So I, I, I'm looking kind of first week in November for Cooper May's return, potentially um, myself. And so the offensive line just has to be, you know, adequate. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to be adequate. And because of Hendon Hooker's ability to avoid and, you know, make you know, you know, nothing into something, you know, I think it does kind of, I guess, lessen the impact of if the offensive line is not great. And how big has the move been for Valus Jones to the slot? You mentioned the, the rhythm now with, with Hendon Hooker and Valus Jones. How, how big has that been for this offense? It's been massive. Uh, and, and, you know, and Chad, when you look at, you know, them finding kind of uh, and settling him in there, Javante Payton's, you know, emergence out there uh, outside and to be able to go get that deep ball, it's really kind of, you know, opened things up. And, again, when you're able to run the ball, you find a slot that you can trust who – I quit. He's kind of like a pinball because he's got such a low center of gravity. You know, he just bounces off defenders or defenders bounce off him. Um, you know, and then again, you know, you got Javante out there just, you know, running, you know, go routes and they're able to, you know, get open and make big plays. It opens up the entire offense. And, you know, the tight ends have been really good. They didn't use them as much a week ago. Um, but, uh, you know, this is an offense that I think Bayless Jones has kind of helped unlock the easiest path easiest path to success uh, over the last couple of weeks with him in the slot. Well, Tyon Evans was uh, a revelation uh, against Missouri, and, and he's been good this year when given chances. He's going to need to be good again tomorrow, Austin, because apparently Tennessee has no healthy running backs 
uh, behind him at this point. What, what is the depth issue right now at running back coming out of that game against Missouri with the injuries? Well, Jabari Small will go based off people I've talked to. Now, how healthy is he? That's a good question. I don't know how much he can give you. I would expect Tyon to start and, and then let Jabari kind of be the guy that is the spell guy. Not you know, not not Jabari right out of the gate like last week. Um, we'll see though how they how Jerry Mack handles the running back rotation, and then you've got after that Laneith Whitehead to me is number three coming off the bench. Jalen Wright he's got turf toe. I'm not sure he's going to be able to go. I think he's you know doubtful for this football game. Marcus Pierce is a walk on. Uh, D back was nowhere to be found uh, except for in the still frame of the the picture where they unveiled the black jerseys where he's like, you know. So uh, you know. I, I think he'll get a heavy dose of Tyon Evans, the South Carolina native. You don't think he's going to be motivated tomorrow? I think he's going to be plenty motivated tomorrow. And we'll see how much South Carolina loads the box to try to stop him and see if they just make Hendon Hooker beat him with his arm. You know, lost in a lot of this, the offensive explosion for Tennessee is they had a really good day on defense against a pretty good uh, Missouri offense. But there were some injuries in the game as well. Theo Jackson, I know you guys wrote that he may be a question mark for tomorrow. What? What does Tennessee look like on defense from an injury standpoint going into the South Carolina game? Well, they are a bit banged up on the defensive side of the ball, Chad. I mean, you're right. In the secondary, Christian Charles is banged up. Theo Jackson, Danico Slaughter. Um, you know, obviously, Jawan Mitchell, you know, they continue to say he's, you know, got some kind of, you know, nick or scratch or something going on. Um, you know, so, I mean, they are a bit banged up, but – you're right. I mean, realistically, they gave up 10 points a week ago. I mean, seven was on a kick return. The other seven was a garbage time fourth quarter touchdown when Tennessee was just trying to get it to the triple zeros. So, you know, the defense continues to do a really good job. Tim Banks continues to be, to me, the key in all of this because no one knew what to expect coming into the season because, you know, they had the four of us, you know, out there on defense in the spring and, you know, they don't now. And so they look a lot more adequate. The Rodney Garner's got the defensive line playing extremely well. Um, Ryan Jean-Marie has done a really nice job with those linebackers. Aaron Beasley's being extremely serviceable, playing good football. Jeremy Banks had a pick last week playing good football. Got a guy like Solon Page who had never found the field at all, and he's making plays for this football team as he had that huge hit on the Banks interception uh, on the quarterback hurry. And then in the, in the back end, getting adequate play there. So, you know, are they great? No. But are they way better than everybody thought they were going to be coming into the season? Absolutely. And that's why Tennessee's kind of found a little mojo, not only on offense, but on defense this season. So, Austin, this feels like a, a matchup with, with South Carolina and their offense, which hasn't really done anything to speak of this year. Tennessee doesn't need to be as good as they were on offense against Missouri. If they could get half of that and just not make the big mistake, they're probably going to be in good position but South Carolina's defense, they've been good at intercepting the ball and taking it back for a touchdown. So what is the key for you in this matchup? What is the, the game plan for Tennessee going against South Carolina and what you want to see tomorrow in this game? Well, I think it's just, you know, play mistake-free football. I mean, you've done that the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, offensively, I, you know, I know you only scored 14 against Florida, but there were spurts where you moved the ball between the 20s and then you just kind of bogged down. I just go back to the fact that, you know, when you don't turn the football over, this offense is way more functional. Um, they won early downs. They've not played behind the sticks a whole lot the last couple of weeks. And uh, last week they even cut down on their on their penalties, which, you know, goes a long way to just being um, more clean across the board. So, you know, I, I just think you want to continue those trends. Um, you're right. South Carolina's back end has, has gotten some interceptions. 
and uh, they've been hard to handle. That's why I think Tennessee will either, you know, play the short game with, with, with the quick passes and make them come up and then right over the top, or, you know, they'll just go over the top to begin with and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's, you know, good enough throwing the football, whether it be the short and intermediate stuff or the, the nine and, and, and go routes um, to kind of pick your poison there if you're South Carolina. You know, Tennessee's offense is clicking really well. So, I, you know, I would be shocked unless Tennessee turns it over a number of times if Tennessee doesn't get to 27 points minimum. We will discuss what Tennessee has positioned itself to do now with the remaining schedule after last week's win with Missouri. What, what can be expected? What, what is a good showing tomorrow against South Carolina, a team that Tennessee's now favored 10.5 points over uh, for the uh, early afternoon kickoff? In, in Neyland Stadium, black uniforms, Al Wilson in town. We'll discuss that, plus recruiting. That's all straight ahead with Austin Price of AllQuest.com on OutKick 360. Austin Price, VolQuest.com with us on OutKick 360. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on. Coming up in 10 minutes, we will preview Titans Jags. So they wanted black helmets and they couldn't get black helmets? That's, well... They wanted a different helmet. Let's put it that way. I don't want to say it was definitely black, but Tennessee wanted an alternate helmet and they weren't able to get those in. And so, you know, they made best of their current situation. I I actually really like what they did because they didn't just go, okay, we'll just keep the same helmet. They went black face mask, put black trim around the T and black trim around the, the, the stripe across the middle of the helmet. You know, I think it looks really good. Again, if you're going to go outside the box, go outside the box. Don't dabble and then keep part of your old uniform. I, I like the fact that Tennessee, um, you know, kind of changed things up with the helmet. And, uh, you know, for these particular uniforms, I need to look, think they look really good. If I'm Tennessee, I incorporate black plant, black pants on the road at some point. Why not? Well, and that that's sort of my next question is, Josh Heupel left room for other alternate uniforms this season even, that this is not going to be a one-time thing and this is not going to be a one-time alternate uniform, that there's going to be different uniforms in the future. Yeah, I think, you know, the most likely scenario is is they go with black pants on the road at some point um, or maybe, you know, if they decided to go back to the black jerseys at some point this year, they would go with orange pants. Um, I, I don't think you'll see a different color this year, but I do think you'll see a different color going forward. I think probably the smoky grays are most likely to come back at some point, um, you know, down the road. And again, I think Tennessee given time will have an alternate helmet for uh, whatever you know combination they want to go with. I just know that for this particular instance, they, you know, did the best they could with what they had. And uh, you know, I asked him yesterday, I said, you know, do you, do you envision wearing a black pants on the road with a white top? And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when I started asking questions, he got a big grin on his face. Because, I mean, he, and he referenced, he goes, I don't think you've seen the way I dress. I don't think you really want me picking out the, the combinations. We're going to let the players do that. Well, if you let the players, I think they're going to totally embrace this with the knowledge of, hey, this is not going to be an every game thing. But occasionally, we may go outside the box. At the end of the day, orange and white are Tennessee's main colors. But Tennessee will have some alternates to use and alternate combinations to use. Austin Price, you can follow him on Twitter at Austin Priceless. 
I'm not trying to overreact to one great performance against Missouri, but I am trying to set up some expectations on what Tennessee can accomplish. And it not, it's not necessarily in the win-loss column. As much as it's his style of play, what they can accomplish in recruiting, the buzz around Heupel's offense, what have they now set up in front of them as a program because of the way they handled Missouri? Coming home to face South Carolina, let's assume they handle business tomorrow. What's in front of them? It, it could be a massive matchup on SEC Network against Ole Miss, for instance. I'm not trying to put them in contention to, to beat Georgia. But beyond that, Austin, what do you see on the horizon for Tennessee if they handle South Carolina the way they handled Missouri yesterday or last week? Well, they get a little bit of traction. I feel like they've been stuck in the mud in recruiting for the last, you know, couple of months. I mean, it just feels like it has been Groundhog Day, stagnant, nothing. And all of a sudden, hey, boys, we got an actual recruiting weekend to cover. I mean, for those of us that cover recruiting, the worst thing you can have is no news and no juice. And so, you know, all of a sudden you see a bunch of kids coming in this weekend. You know, you look at the list, even if they only get 75% of those kids in, that's a great weekend for a noon game, uh, you know, in, in early October. I think it's a big deal. And so, you know, Tennessee's got three official visitors. Um, they got a bunch of unofficial visitors slated to be in town. If you go out and handle business and, you know, it's for 62 points, but you'll say right, you went when the right. game 38-17. Like, that that stadium will be buzzing at 38-17 come uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock. And then all those kids that came in, you go get to spend the evening with them, you know, the afternoon and evening with them as a, as a coach and recruit. So I, I think it's a big deal. I think they can really kind of get some juice going here. And, again, I would really believe that they'll try to get back in on some guys that have committed elsewhere because that would be the smart thing to do in recruiting. Why not make a call and go, hey, did you see what we did the last couple of weeks? Why don't you just come give us a look? We're not saying you need to flip. Sure, we'd love to have you. Just come give us a look. Come talk to us. Come see what we're all about. Uh, Austin, what do you think Tennessee's strategy is going to be moving forward with with transfers? And uh, I asked that based on two big transfers out there right now. Lynn J. Dixon, who at one point was committed to Tennessee, transferring from Clemson, and also Josh Heupel's leading tackler, a linebacker at Central Florida at UCF, has decided he's going to transfer uh, midseason. Do you see Tennessee getting involved with those two players and overall, what do, you, what do you think the philosophy is going to look like for Heupel and company? Well, I think it depends. You know, I, I think it depends on the way the rest of the season goes. I don't think you can live in the transfer portal and, and, and have a ton of success. I, you know, how Kansas State or Mississippi State back, you know, in the 90s lived in the JUCO ranks. I, I don't think you can live in the portal. But I do think you got to dabble in it. Everybody's got to dabble in it because a lot of your kids are going to go there. And with them passing the new rule – or you can kind of, oh, we lost three. Okay, we'll go get these three and counteract that. You know, I mean, I, I think that ultimately, you know, you're going to have a lot of dabbling um, every year. Uh, but I, I think Tennessee's got to continue to recruit the um, the high school ranks at a high level. They've got to put a lot of emphasis on that, in my opinion. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you're, you're not going to gain any ground. I mean, I think you can – kind of patch up a you know a, a hole in the in the in the boat with a transfer portal guy but I don't think you can you know sail from you know England to New York you know with a bunch of portal guys I just I think that you've got to continue to focus on the high school kids again Tennessee's gotten some good play out of some transfers and then some of those guys either are a non-factor or have given or given you very little uh, Al Wilson returning this weekend, a lot of festivities surrounding his return and honoring Al Wilson. What does the weekend look like for Al Wilson 
uh, game-wise tonight, everything else going on this weekend with him in town? Well, it's, it's going to be one big uh, party for Al. I mean, it's going to be a lot of get-togethers. Um, of course, he'll lead the vol walk tomorrow. Um, we'll be in the locker room, um, you know, and, and, you know, we'll hang out with a bunch of former teammates. You've got a lot of former teammates coming in town for this football game to uh, support Al. So, it, it's, you know, hey, listen, it's just to nobody loves the T more than Al Wilson. Nobody wants it more to be about the team than Al Wilson. But I think even he is happy that, hey, this is a cool honor. He's going to soak it up tomorrow. And uh, I expect him to be the rallying cry from the fans to the current team, um, you know, tomorrow. And, and, and I expect that to get really loud in there when they honor him before the game. What have been the biggest defense mechanisms against any threat of a feeling that the Vols have made it uh, off, of, off of their giant win? And what are the biggest danger scenarios from the South Carolina side? Well, well, I think, you know, you've not made it because you hadn't put back-to-back games together. And I think that's been Josh Heupel's, you know, point all week. Hey, guys, that's great. We put up 62 last week. That's awesome. Okay, huge steps in the right direction. But we have a long way to go. Like, first of all, we've not won back-to-back games all year. South Carolina likes to lull teams into these low-scoring rock fights. We can't allow that to happen. So if you're Tennessee, you got to get out early, Paul. You got to get out and you got to do exactly what you did a week ago. Jump out quick. If you can jump out quick, I think I don't think South Carolina's going to lay down the way Missouri laid down like last week. But I do think that you put them behind the eight ball. They're not they're not really a team that can play from behind, in my opinion. You know, uh, against a team that's comparable to them or better than them. So. You know, I think it's important to get out of the box really, really quick. Do not let them hang around and be in this football game when you go to the fourth quarter. Austin Price, if you follow him on social media, he it's not hard to figure out. He loves golf. And uh, the, your, your latest posts, uh, at least on Facebook, Austin, have been <laughs> phenomenal. I don't know where you went to or if you're uh, – was this recent? Yeah, it was Monday and Tuesday. Oh, okay. So it was this week. I didn't know if you were posting stuff from like – an earlier vacation or not, but tell us where you went. Cause this is, it was phenomenal. I was fortunate enough to go up to uh, New York and play Fisher's Island and national golf Links. So uh, both top 10 courses and uh, you know, they were, they did not disappoint. So, uh, you know, I was uh, lucky enough to have a couple of nice people take me along and uh, good stuff. Some Look nice fun. people, some nice people. Sounds like he's tied to the mob or something. Yeah. I look forward to uh, next week's photo shoot at the Hamptons um, <laughs> with you eating. Uh, you know, that's where that's where National Golf Links is. I'm just saying, like you're you're uh, yeah. you're going to get the huge you're going to get the huge mansion indoors. Next week you'll be joining us there. Austin Price. Yeah, okay. <laughs> never know. Hey, he's checking his calendar, see yeah. if he's available. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be in Scotland next week. Are you wearing boys. the shirt from there right now? Looks like a Vandy no, shirt. Is about, this is about hollow. Yeah. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell. The way it breaks on our screen, it looks yeah. like a Vandy shirt, which is kind of a weird. You have thing some exciting you. news you'd like to report, Austin? Yeah. Are you now covering <laughs> Vanderbilt? Are you all in on the Clark Lee era? Yeah, lean back a little. Anchor down. There it is. Anchor close. down. AP. Hey, good to, good to catch up with you. Uh, tell Hubs we said hello. Uh, we'll be reading your work and uh, watching your coverage tomorrow at VolQuest.com. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Thanks. Go Austin Thanks. on Twitter at Austin Priceless. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Titans switching gears, 
uh, Vols and Gamecocks tomorrow morning. And then Titans and Jags noon kickoff. And that will be on CBS this Sunday. This is a game where it, it, the feelings are the same as last Friday for me, for this Titans team. Injuries, it's lengthy. The lengthy list. They had 21 last week, 18 last week, something like that. They started the week with 21. It's up to 23 uh, last I counted yesterday. Um, injuries aside, this is a this is a game the Titans should travel and and take care of business against a lesser opponent, an opponent that is laughing at their head coach, breaking down huddles, uh, using mocking the word him. grind, just straight mocking him, laughing him out of meeting rooms this week. Um, I I don't, and this is traditionally an organization that has a locker room filled with players that will wave the white flag in December. That's just what they've done. And they are now given this opportunity to do that in October. I'm not saying they'll do that throughout the, the rest of the season. They'll do that potentially for their head coach, who's currently still employed by the organization, uh, if you give them a reason to. And the Titans need to start fast and give them that reason on Sunday. Derrick Henry's had immense success against them, particularly down there. It's his hometown. Uh, you know, he always downplays all of those factors, but it's clearly a thing, a, a nice combination for him that his hometown team stinks at defending a big, strong, fast running back in, in particular. It's coming off a game where defensive backfield and linebackers did a good job getting him to the ground and preventing the, the game-breaking touchdown that they needed from him. And what he hit, had 155 yards, and I'm crediting the Jets for the way right. they ultimately got him to the ground. Um, but the combination of Derrick Henry against the Jags and what looks like a return of A.J. Brown, who was limited on Wednesday, who was a full participant on, on Thursday and looks to be trending in the right direction, um, you would think would be uh, enough Harold Landry is playing very well. He was kind of moving around against the Jets. I think they have some freedom to do that. They have problems at outside linebacker, though. Harold Landry's healthy. And after that, you know, uh, John Simon's probably going to be up and active for this game. Ola Adeni uh, playing a lot because you've got a concussion with Sharif Finch, who was up to replace Dupree, who doesn't sound like he's playing this week. Uh are we going to see Caleb Farley? Are we going to see Dylan Radins? Um, some chances here to get things going. And they've got to get things buttoned up coming into Buffalo, Kansas City section of their schedule, which is a whole different animal. We talked about the extreme poles in the league right now earlier in this show. They're going from the bottom end of, of those poles to the top end in a matter of a week. You mentioned Caleb Farley and, and Radins. Let's start on offense. Let's start with Dylan Radins. And, and I'm keeping him active for this game for injury concerns. But also, if, if the first quarter starts off with the pass protection that we saw throughout the game against New York, somebody's got to be benched. I don't care if it's Taylor Lewan. Someone's got to take a seat in this game. You have to send a message that you've got to change things up. And I realize they're banged up. Um, if they start becoming turnstiles at tackle. Quesenberry on the right, who has had his struggles week after week, in some instances, uh, a couple of times a game. Lawan, um, other than you know the game against the Colts, uh, has not been consistent. It, it's time to try something else to protect your quarterback. 
go double tight end. They're already doing that. I mean, we're we're seeing we're seeing them make efforts to do it in passing situations. Paul, I Ravens has to be up just to give them a, another option. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to give up anything close to seven sacks. I think uh, you know their other bad bad they bad. They played sack four game games, was, and in two of them, the they gave one. up six and seven. Yeah, but not consecutively. And I think teams. Uh, I'm not. I'm I know, not I know what you're saying. For the you offensive tend, line's bad. Tend, uh, it's bad, but you tend to recover from one game to the next in terms of the sack volume. Uh, I agree. I think Raiden's. They need to find a way to have him up and be prepared uh, to to play him. The other thing, you know, I've been complaining about the receiver separation, which was horrible against the Jets. And the thing we don't factor in enough, Blake Benningfield wrote this at my site. You know, you're keeping a tight end in on one side and the back has responsibilities on, on the other side or in the backfield before he releases, which means you only got three guys out, which means that 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 secondary's scheming a lot of people against those three guys. So it's not – they talk about, well, you got to win your one-on-one. Well, most of them aren't in just one-on-ones. They've got a safety involved in their yeah. coverage. And then you're not talking about A.J. Brown and Julio Jones working against two guys. You're talking about uh, Rodgers and Westbrook Akina. Well, who's expecting those guys to work well against two people? It's asking a lot to ask them to beat one-on-ones. Well, um, it, and these are better corners well, on the Jags than the I, Jets have. I, I laugh at that, though, because uh, on the other hand – especially first and second down, they are loading the box to stop Derrick Henry, all these defenses. Yeah. So you got one-on-one. Win. Win yeah. a matchup on a passing situation on first and second down. There are no yeah. excuses for these guys yeah, not getting Yeah, I'm talking separation. third down, and you got to win those early downs to get yourself yeah. into comfortable third downs, which we've been talking down, about over and over. third down, you bring the heat, and you're getting to, to Tannehill. Over and over. Farley, I mean, th- Let's my, go there. my question is, look, I, you, you need Farley to be up and active and your fourth corner, I think. If, if one guy goes yeah. down like he did last week, and we don't know if Chris Jackson's going to be ready, I presume he is, but I would think that you would start the same three that you've been starting. You have uh, Fulton, who's been very good, Jenkins, who's not been particularly good, Jackson in the slot, and if one of those can't play, then you've got to go to Farley outside, yeah. ideally, um, and, and go from there. The question is... The guy's missed three weeks of practice. And so he will have had three practices this week. So he hasn't had any time to get better from all of the stuff that they said about him not being ready. You're right. It would have been ideal if, like, we could have been killing them for him not playing. But if he was practicing the last three weeks, if he didn't have this shoulder injury, then he should be ready. I don't know that he's any more ready off of three practices this week after coming off the injured list. And a big question I have is, how does Shane Bowen treat this rookie quarterback? Because they didn't treat Zach Wilson the same way most defensive coordinators would approach a rookie quarterback, and that is to bring a lot of pressure. I'm curious to see if they decide to dial up the pressure a lot more on Trevor Lawrence this game. I hope they do. Uh, I also think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, which gives me a little bit of pause, but that's a big thing I'm going to be watching is, how does Shane Bowen on defense approach this Jacksonville offense in terms of pressure and trying to confuse and pressure the rookie quarterback? And I had this stat yesterday. Trevor Lawrence has completed just 39 of his passes against the Blitz this season, second worst of 28 qualified NFL quarterbacks. We didn't need this stat to know what the recipe is, but there it is in hard evidence. You better blitz him. But 
They're scared of getting beat over the top because guess what? They've been getting beat over the top. There's no excuse for that uh, because they're scared of getting beat over the top and they're playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage whenever it's third down and five. And Bowen you know? said yesterday, that's unacceptable. On third and five, Do if something we get beat over it. the top, we've got to take our chances of getting beat over the top. But the coaches say that and the players still play off. That's the, that's the well, disconnect, Then you have the right? wrong players. That's the disconnect. You have, the, you have slow And they just turned players. them all over. They turned the, the cornerbacks all turned over oh, except for Fulton. I, look, I, that's why Farley has to come into play. I'm sending Farley out there if that's the case. Uh, and I realize this isn't college football where you just send a guy out and let him go play. Uh, in some but they did say cat coverage. But, you know, they, no excuses for that this week. DJ Chark is on IR with a broken ankle. Yeah, Chenault's the one guy you got to worry about. Chenault is more of a physical matchup than he is worried about getting beat deep. I mean, this guy's you're in a boxing match with him. Yeah, he's I a would, good play. I would put Christian Fulton on Chenault and just let them fight for a game. Just let them go at it. Um, it's one of those scrappy matchups where you need athleticism, but also a little grit and determination when you face him. Because they're going to use him in so many different ways. And if he doesn't get the job done, then use Farley for that. I, I'm, I'm looking for uh, some aggression from this defensive back group that if you get beat, big deal. Like, that, that happens. I want more of a Malcolm Butler mentality where if you give up a big play, that happens. But you're going to fight the very next snap up at the line of scrimmage. Or you're at least going to be, if it's third and five, you're not going to give them a 10-yard cushion. To me, that... That's just stupid. Also, Marvin Jones isn't scaring you with his speed. That's a veteran no, wild, no. right? The, the, the speed factor. It, Is Corey Davis scare scaring you, you with his with his speed? No, no. That, nor was Crowder or Coles really, but they were getting. Well, I, I'm scared of uh, anybody's uh, speed against Breon Borders yeah. if he's not playing in the red zone. I mean, that's my point here: is uh, create some matchups on the outside where you, you trust your guy to play some man coverage. I thought that's what they wanted to do. Well, I thought that's why they drafted Caleb Farley. That was that was him, right? It just he's a man coverage guy. Oh, he's got Chad, the physical skills give to go out and do it. Time, he's just a rookie. Well, and uh, just not, but not him per se. But this is where they want to go. Is my point. Well, they want to they want to go and just put someone on a guy and say cover him right at some point, and they're not doing that because they've got guys. It's just ten yards off the line of scrimmage. I, I don't understand the excuse of. The coach is saying, you know, we're, we're telling them to get up on the line. They're just not doing it. And you know what their excuse is a lot of times there is uh, all these bunch formations you can't get up on everybody because the traffic created causes problems. And I asked, well, what's the solution to that? And they said, well, we've got to know where we're going and communicate. And we, we, you know, one guy's got to be on and the other guys have to know where they're going. Uh, if I'm listening to the Titans talk about this, I'm running bunch sets all the time <laughs> against them because yeah. it sounds like – as soon as they see a bunch set, they're like, fellas, we got to back up because in order to sort this out, we need some space. I mean, there, there's frustration here because you, you see the still photos of these, well, how these offenses are lining up in the down and distance and the distance between the, the defensive back and the wide receiver. Some, I mean, it makes it very – it's a very simple read if you need four yards and the defensive back has to cover 12 to get there on the catch. And if he – even if they're doing that, if they're doing that, then what has to happen is that DB has to be arriving there and destroying that guy when he catches the right. ball. Even right. if it's a first down, if the guy's two yards on this side of the first down marker, he needs to be suffering for it, right? No Are doubt. we seeing that? No doubt. No doubt. Are we seeing that? No. No. We, we haven't seen that. That's got to change. And look, I think it does this week. Like, I, 
I've been negative this week on the Titans. There's no reason not to be after last week's performance. This is a get-right game because of one man, Derrick Henry. I mean, his last five games against, let's go, let me quickly scroll to my note here on this. I mean, it's just complete dominate. Last five games against the Jags, 148 yards rushing per game, 7.1 yards per carry, nine rushing touchdowns. That's last five? Last five. Insane. Versus Jags, not at Jags, but versus No, Jags. just ver- the, taking on Jacksonville. Taking on Jacksonville. And my guess is he got some third-down carries in that. Thank Yeah. Oh, but we've got to let him rest. Not this week. Well, McNichols, Not this week. you know, Hutt, McNichols is just so good. He's carved out a roll. Well, throw him, in so. a couple passes on first and second down and use your guy on third and short. And you know that I hear that third down rest is actually more impactful than first and it's second down It kind of rest. feels like two downs of rest. You know, you get a lot of rest when he's down on the field for third or fourth down and you turn it over. And the defense and then the is defense is out there. Yeah. Then it's he gets all, a nice breather. It's all get, part of the rest plan. You give him an oxygen tank. Don't right. pick up that first down and then punt it, and then he gets more rest. Big. Uh, coming up, give our thoughts on Titans, Jags, what we really think happens tomorrow, aside from uh, Sunday, aside from uh, just win or loss. Also, balls and uh, Missouri uh, and, and Gamecocks off their win against Missouri, how we think things go. We'll look around the SEC a bit as well. Straight ahead on OutKick 360. Hang with us. Wrapping up what's been a fun week, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Follow us on Twitter at OutKick 360. It's where you can chime in on the Twitter polls for tomorrow's OutKick, the tailgate. With Ro and I headed to College Station as soon as we wrap up the show here this afternoon. Uh, flying into Houston, then we go to College Station. We have Midnight Yell tonight uh, for Going Deep with Clay Travis. We're filming that show tonight. Then uh, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, Outkick the Tailgate live from Tex-Ag's headquarters in Aggieland. That's some really cool guests, including uh, Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com, the founder the guy who runs the whole operation will be joining us and uh, possibly maybe uh, a certain Heisman Trophy-winning Texas A&M quarterback maybe. will be joining us. Maybe. maybe. We'll see. Hope that happens. Do, yep. the, do the Heisman pose. Do the Heisman pose tomorrow in Aggieland. Um, what's the headline next week on the Titans? What are we talking about Monday? All is well. No, no problem. Like the, they, they've corrected a does, lot of issues. Does a bounce back. Get them ready for Buffalo, Kansas City. More of the same, but at least they won this time. Is going to be the headline. More so, more. I think this game is way closer more, than it needs to be. More pass protection issues, more defensive back issues, more frustration with the. We're the, we're going to come back with the same exact questions we had after the Jets game, but the Titans are going to win this one. It's going to be the difference. If that's the case, this is a Jags team that surprised me with the the mentality of this week carrying over to game day so like I don't know how they I don't know how the distractions of of this week don't carry over to Sunday in some when they face some adversity especially for a franchise that is historically mentally weak yes this is not the this is not the Steelers you know when they've got it rolling it's not the Green Bay Packers it's not a strong organization to where they can withstand some distraction. I think there's great potential for just Urban Meyer's message that, hey, you guys go ahead and lead. Uh, you know, it's on, it's on you to kind of help us solve this, which I created. 
for them to say, screw you, coach. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you I got know. us in this hole. You get us, you lead the way out. And I'm thinking too, like they're, I'm not saying that they waved the white flag on the season. You know, on now. this game, though, they, maybe. No, on on their coach. Yeah. You know, they they'd rather have an interim than Urban Meyer, and so you play that way. I, not throw the game, but just your effort is is like you don't have a leader, you don't have a, a clear message or a, a plan, right? Like I. What I do you think I, the odds are? Is he the coach there in a month? In no. Three weeks. Nope. Yeah, I tend to think not either. Is it, I, we've never really seen anything like this that I could remember where there's like a coach incident and then you have to see how it plays out with the team before a final verdict comes in. And the regain the trust and regain the, uh, what was the other word? Um, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what he could do to do that. If, if what you guys are saying actually happens where they go out there and it looks like they are throwing the game. Not throwing the game. Effort, throwing not throwing the game, the game just to – Going through the motions. Okay. Which is what they've done. It's call it whatever you want. Going through the motions, lose by 20 to the Titans in this game. Clearly not completely invested. I mean, just like they've Monday? done. Just like I, they've I think done. he resigns on Monday. I think he's forced into a resignation. And they'll work out the buyout. I'd like to see the terms of the buyout will be very interesting because I mean, there are a lot of uh, intriguing storylines around this terrible matchup. <laughs> I mean, Titans Jags gets no attention. Uh, and, Rightfully so. And the Titans lost to the Jets, got them no attention and no buzz this week. Uh, if you're uh, debating two and two teams and where they're headed, they're, no one's talking about this two and two team. Because I mean, first off, everyone expects the Titans should win this game. Um, and if they don't, then they're buried next week. But uh, the rookie quarterback, take advantage. I'm, I'm with Chad and Paul. Like, take advantage. Blitz the crap out of them. Um, Make him throw a couple to you. And he'll do that. Yes. I mean, he's throwing he's more. He's that, but yeah. that's what we said last week. That's what and the they rookies got, do. They got one, and they didn't make him feel it. But based on what you're saying, Paul, this is the uh, week where they, they, they coach smart. <laughs> it's a one-on-one-off scenario. So now it's like, okay, now we'll smarter. do the obvious thing. You guys got us in the media about playing Derrick Henry on third and four, and you guys got us on blitzing a rookie quarterback, so we'll do well, it this time. here's another thing that I'll say, and this, this thing crops up all the time, like on my site. On, on the on the private Facebook page, this conversation like, who do you blame most for the offensive line? And the candidates are, you know, Todd Downing and and Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. And none of the candidates are the offensive linemen. <laughs> Just skip right past that. I mean, they're in there somewhere. I'm not saying the scheme's good. I'm not saying they're coached well. But David Quesenberry playing really poorly starts with David Quesenberry. No, it I can't starts with the front office that. having David Quesenberry as the starter because Dylan Raiden is ready. But when they and put Isaiah him Wilson. on the field, he's allowed to and play better than he played last week. At, David you know, Quesenberry Nate Davis, is a backup right tackle. Nate Davis is a starting right guard, and he's not played nearly as well as he's played last year. A good share of that I put on Nate Davis. I, I put that on playing next to a backup right tackle and an injured center. That too, but he can play better. He's played around not great guys before. Nate Davis is the least of their concerns, and I know you know that. On but the my point line. is, I don't understand why people skip right past the players who are playing poorly to, but, to other things. Because you skip right past the GM and the head coach in every conversation. Past them. It's, it's, it's all a factor, but the players have to be included in it. Here's a, a little uh, mental note as we go into the weekend. Don't lose to the Jaguars Sunday. Yeah. 
Well, and That's the, a, the reason they're not criticizing... And don't lose to the Gamecocks. <laughs> the reason they're not criticizing one offensive lineman is because honor thy father. Nah, don't speak well, ill of right, death. You're right on that. Don't speak <laughs> ill of death. Nail that one. That's a good ending right there. Headed to College Station. Midnight yell. Ready for it and ready for outkick the tailgate tomorrow morning. By the way, Vols win closer than they should also. That's going to be a close game. I'm ready to yell. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.